0: it up and welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 1,228.
1: Yeah, I've always felt I could achieve any goal if I worked hard enough for it.
0: This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with
1: inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for
0: a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Las Vegas, Nevada, which is very appropriate today because it's Valentine's Day and Las Vegas is for lovers, Stuart Sobick. Stuart, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready for a ride. All right, here we go. Stuart Sobick is the founder and chairman of the new Las Vegas Concours Elegance. This inaugural event will debut on October 25th. Through the 28th at the exclusive Dragon Ridge Country Club, Stewart has been in the car collector world for more than 31 years. Fueled by his first visit to Pebble Beach back in 1987, he's been collecting and showing cars ever since. His passion began and still remains in the exotic car world. Sounds like you and I have similar tastes. Being a longtime member of many car clubs, including the Lamborghini and Maserati clubs, enabling him to learn and increase his knowledge and passion for these unique automobiles. As a collector, he has personally owned and logged many miles behind the wheel of some fantastic rides, both in the streets and on the track. So he knows firsthand many of their favorable traits and idiosyncrasies. Stuart is a member of the CCCA and Checkered Flag Lifetime member of the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles, California. You can learn more about the Las Vegas Concord Elegance at the website lasvegasconcord.com. So Stuart, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles?
1: Yeah, I, I got my first uh, my first ride in a dune buggy, probably about seven years old. And that's what started this whole thing. I mean, that was so cool. But I couldn't drive till I got older, of course. So to satisfy my need for speed, I started off on motorcycles, which a lot of people do at around age 11. So as soon as I got my driver's license, I was off every weekend racing motocross. Speed was officially in my blood. So I worked my way through college at local motorcycle shops, starting at the bottom, working my way through the ranks, which was a very big deal for me at the time. Bikes were fast, easy, and relatively inexpensive. Then the crucial moment. I was attending San Diego State at 22 years old. I went with some friends to the LA Auto Show, and I saw a Lamborghini Countach in person. For the very first time, I was so moved at that moment, I knew I had to have it. Uh, but there, of course, there was just no way I could afford it. So after I graduated from San Diego State with a degree in mechanical engineering, I sought out and obtained an entry level at the time, Lamborghini, a very rough 1968 Lamborghini 400 GT 2 plus 2. And I started working on restoring it. In 1987, I took that car to Quail Lodge for a show that would later become Concord Italiano. And I attended my very first Pebble Beach Concours. That led to years of showing cars, racing cars, go-karts, collecting cars, and all the general car guy nonsense that goes along with that. 30 years later, in 2017, while attending my 30th Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance, the light bulb went on. And I asked myself, why don't we have this in Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world? So now I'm turning my passion and full-time attention to starting the Las Vegas Concours d'Elegance and making it into a world-class event. That's my dream. That's my goal. And this is now my life.
0: Wow. You know, this is so cool. And this is no small feat to tackle an adventure this <laughs> large and this big. As I'm sure you're finding out as you start to chew on all of this and your mouth gets fuller and fuller. But first and foremost, we're fellow alumni. I went to San Diego State. I graduated from San Diego State. So oh,
1: congratulations.
0: There you go. I grew up down in uh, La Jolla, California, and uh, went to UCSD and then transferred over to San Diego State. Uh So, yeah, we're I'm uh, surprised
1: we're... we didn't have some beers together.
0: <laughs> well, who knows? So, you know, I'll tell you something funny. Everyone said that was a party school. I went to zero parties at that school. I was so busy working and trying to pay my way through school. I was waxing cars. I literally would go to classes early in the morning and come home and wax cars all afternoon and go surfing and then come home and study some more and then do it over and over again. Uh College for me was not the typical party life. It was like, how fast can I get through this journey? And be exactly. done with it so I can start my career and start my life. But uh Exactly I'm thinking, I'm thinking you had more fun. No,
1: not actually not. Mechanical engineering was a a difficult a difficult uh a ride. And so I, I worked a lot too. But yeah, I, did, exactly. I did have some fun. I was able to study on the beach on occasionally, which was nice.
0: Uh, it is great. And <laughs> I'll tell you another strange coincidence, my wife, Jill, who I've been married to for almost thirty five years now. She uh, I, she and I met at UCSD, and she graduated with a mechanical engineering degree, oh. uh, one of only two women in her class that year to graduate with that degree. So uh I guess somehow, you know, San Diego State, mechanical engineering, I mean, somehow, how we didn't run into each other, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not but sure either. More importantly, we're here today to talk about what you're doing. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been important to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Stuart, take the wheel.
1: Oh, right here on my desk is a sign that says everything is possible. Mm. And I stare at that sign all day, every day. Uh, I've always felt I could achieve any goal if I worked hard enough for it. And I've always set my goals very high, as you can imagine. And I've always worked really hard to achieve those dreams. Everything in life about is about how much you want it and mm-hmm. how hard you're willing to to work to get it. But, you know, nothing comes without sacrifice. I have always been willing to do what I need to do to reach my goals.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a great saying. You know, when you started to say that, I thought you were going to say everything is important because I had a a awesome car guy on this show, Rob Dickinson, who builds those incredible Singer Porsches reimagined cars. And that's his saying, everything is possible, but everything is important. Yours is everything is possible. Uh but you know when you're gonna launch yourself into a Concord event, and this is a a huge endeavor, and I'm gonna have you get into a little more details about what's gonna happen with this event. I'm so excited and uh I talked to I'll let our listeners know, I talked to Stuart. I'm gonna be helping him later this year to promote that event uh in a special way that I do things here on Cars, yeah? That he doesn't even know about yet, but I think he's gonna like what I'm gonna have (laughs) like to to tell him. Well, it's you know it's a nice way to just uh, get the word out there amongst uh, all my listeners, so they can head over to Vegas and attend your show. I love it. Let's uh, go back in time, though. You kind of you you didn't kind of, but you told me the story of this Lamborghini fascination with those cars. But is there a story you could share that was a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy?
1: Yeah, when I was very young, my neighbors had one of those old school dune buggies yeah yeah with a fiberglass body and the big uh the big exhaust pipe sticking out the back, <laughs> the big loud VW engine, yeah. and so they you know I was a kid on the block, and so everybody got rides and so the first time I rode in that dune buggy i I, I was just absolutely hooked um the speed, the noise, the wind in my face i I, I must I was probably only seven, but I'll never forget that moment, you know yeah. that was a pivotal moment for me. I knew then that I wanted the noise, the power, and the speed. And uh, fast forward, you know, many years later, nowadays, all my friends are car people. And you meet people in car clubs and soon they're they're your friends. And even at the events where you don't have your cars, so many of those people have become close friends. We all share a bond, which is a passion and love for cars. And so that was really pivotal in shaping my adult life.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Do you know whether or not that doom buggy was a Myers-Manx? I, I'm thinking it was, but I didn't really know at the time. Yeah, yeah. It You know, it probably was. I had Bruce Myers as the guest on my show. He's uh, up there just northeast San Diego County where I grew that up. Was, yeah, yeah, where he builds those. Still to this day, he's still building those things. I mean, the guy is incredible. Just a, a, a powerhouse. But uh, my aunt had a couple of those. And we used to go down to Baja, California camping. And I remember being about nine years old, and she let me drive her myers Manx down the beach. And I thought, man, this is like so cool. We had to put pillows behind me because I couldn't quite reach the pedals. But uh, yeah. yeah, those things. I was are hanging really on cool. for dear life. But, yeah, you are. Yeah, but well, especially. But that there. was
1: the fun part, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. It is cool. Well, let's talk about some of the roads you've driven down here, uh, Stuart. And I want to have you kind of delve into a challenge or a failure you faced along the way. And the reason I ask these questions has to do with the lessons learned, because no doubt, You know, everybody's going through something at some point. Uh, If you've gotten through life without any challenges, I'm not so sure you've tried hard enough. So tell us about one of your experiences and kind of walk us through that and tell us the learning lesson that was behind it.
1: Well, it was more recently than I would like, actually, probably around 2007 when the last recession hit. Yeah. I had a huge warehouse and I had a formidable collection of cars, but, you know, tough times were ahead. And unfortunately, I had to sell many of those cars to stay ahead. Now you heard that story many many times but you know as much as i hated to i did what needed to be done the worst part of course was the prices were way down and so uh i sold at painfully discounted prices yeah uh and it really hurt and and i lost some of my, the loves of my lives but over the years i've endured i've gotten back on my feet and you know i'm in the game again so what did i learn from all that now I, i'm going to get a lot of opposition from my car collector friends But what I really learned is how many cars do you need? Yeah. You know, and and people are going to I'm going to they're going to kill me for saying that. But yeah, people don't realize the effort that takes to support a huge car collection, not just the money, but the time. I tell people it would take me all day just to go in the shop and just check the air and the tires, just undo the battery, start them up. Just do the most basic things that would take you an entire day. And I didn't have a big shop with a foreman and all that like a lot of people do. So I learned I learned that it was fun. I had a good time. But now I'm down to a much, much smaller, more manageable collection. And I don't see myself having a big collection like that ever again.
0: You know, this is an important lesson, I think, for a lot of people. and And everybody has been through some type of a tough time. And that that recession affected so many of the guests I've had here on Cars. Yeah. And they've had to make sacrifices. I know I had to let a car go that I really love to pay for my son's college education because he ended up going to an awesome school. That opportunity far exceeded any need for me to have that car. And I was sad to let it go, but at the same time, very, very happy. I bought it right. I sold it right. And the money went to that cause. And you know, I had a good friend of mine. I was kind of, you know, woe, he's me, and I wish I didn't have to do this. And he said, Mark, he goes, you can always buy another car some other day, but when are you going to ever have a chance to to help your son get an education like that? True. Never. And it, it just did a par- paradigm shift. But I think you're right. You know, I, I know a lot of people who collect a lot of different things. It could be something as as simple and silly as license plates or toy cars. I've had probably too many of those in my life, yes. model cars. Yes. Um. And there's a point where these collections own you versus you owning them. Exactly. Right? Yes. it's true. And, and I think when you get to that point, and I, I was at that point with some cars and motorcycles at one point. I didn't have a whole lot, but it was starting to be a lot of work to deal with them. And I remember my wife has been so... Kind to me over the years of spending money on car stuff. I mean, I married a saint. I I guarantee it. She's rolled her eyes a few times, but never ever, you. you know, said this is stupid. I think she once said, "Well, if you think that's a good idea, go ahead and buy it." Those are the words of death to any yes, guy who's exactly. married. What well, would you know what that means? I know. Yeah, you know exactly what that means. You better be real smart how you step here, but let me ask you this i mean for words of advice for people that think acquiring a lot of stuff is important i think you get into a point some people find it younger some older that you realize it's not really the stuff that's important it's the experiences around those things the experiences they bring to you the relationships that they can build on with people we meet you mentioned all your friends are car guys all my friends are car guys yeah. Would you agree with me in this kind of this path I'm going down here? And I'm not trying to talk people out who who like to have lots of cars. More power oh. to you. I think it's no, great. I'm not either. Yeah, but um, would would that be a fair assessment? There's a point where your collection, your your things in life, your material things, own you versus you owning them.
1: I absolutely agree, and yeah. you have to keep that you have to keep that in check. And for everybody, it's different. Mm-hmm. I, I'm certainly not opposed to car collections. I'm dealing now with people who have amazing collections, yeah. and I and I spend every moment I can looking at them and admiring those collections. But I think for me, it's you know a couple of a couple of cars that I really enjoy is yeah. is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, if you're not enjoying them, if you're not going out and driving them, and you're spending all this time maintaining them or working on them, and of course the dollars make a difference. If sure. if you or I could, say, have curators in a giant room and people would just take care of stuff, maybe we would think differently. I don't know. And God bless the people who have large collections because they make these <laughs> events possible. So Of course. Uh, yeah, which I think is fantastic. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your, your first really special car. Now, you talked about that Lamborghini you had. Yes. Was that the first really special car in your life?
1: Yeah, but the special car, I told you when I saw it at the LA Auto Show, I wanted a Lamborghini Countach. Oh, yeah. And I, I, never, I never gave up on that dream. I achieved that at a, a relatively young age. And I was going to tell you it was a little story about when I went to pick it up. I was living in San Jose at the time, and I got my first Countach. It was in San Diego. And so lucky me, I had the dubious honor of picking it up and driving it 500 miles home.
0: Oh, so nice. That was pretty cool, right? All uh, right. Did you get home?
1: That's the next so, question. Need, yeah, needless to say, a red Countach is somewhat of an attention getter. Yeah, a bit. Especially in uh, no, 1987. Uh-huh. So I'm on a, I'm on a highway, five, I'm on Highway 5 about a north, an hour north of the Grapevine. Yeah. When I spot in my rearview mirror, of course when you're driving a red Countach, you're very keen of what's going on around you. Yeah. So I spot in my rearview mirror a car moving very very quickly to catch up to me. Yeah, And as it got closer and then pulled beside me, I could see it was a very small car with three Marines who had their full uniforms on, hanging out the windows, taking pictures of me and giving me endless thumbs up and all <laughs> kinds of <laughs> expressions. And they were just going crazy. So, of course, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm driving this car. And they were so enthusiastic. I, I had to give them the universal symbol of, do you guys want to ride? Uh. And so uh, I don't think that maybe they believed it. But when uh-huh. I started to pull over off the side of the road, uh, one guy almost fell out of the car. <laughs> it was so fun because they were just so you know they were they were so gracious and so enthusiastic. Yeah. I just got this car. I wanted to share it with the world. Yeah. I I pulled off the side of the road. We took photos. We all met each other, and and then I gave each of them a very what I would call a very spirited fifteen minute ride down the road. Yeah, uh, on wow. the highway.
0: Nice. And, uh,
1: I, it was just super nice. I, I enjoyed their enthusiasm and I, I enjoyed sharing that car with them.
0: Oh man, you are a king, king of the road. I mean, gumball moment there, driving that car and Semper oh, Fi, uh, Semper Fi to all those Marines out there. Marines have a special place in my heart. My father-in-law, we lost him several years ago. He was a Marine, lifetime Marine. I mean, you are a lifetime Marine when you join the Marine Corps. You're never out of the Corps, that's for sure. But, uh, Wow, those guys thought that they landed in heaven, you know? They were
1: happy taking pictures. But, you know, I've always felt... I've always felt these cars should be shared, yeah. and I've always given people rides and, and taken people out and let them experience. And a lot of times, I let people drive my cars, too, because you know, you, you got to give back and you make those fun memories. Yeah. And, and I, I remember when I didn't have a Kuntash, I wanted to drive one so bad, and yeah. I, I, you know, I never got the chance to do that. So I've, I've always enjoyed being an ambassador of the brands, yes. whatever I'm driving. And for me, that's part of the fun of owning a really cool car.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A shout out to a friend of mine up here in the Pacific Northwest, Mike Wilson, has a red Countach and uh, shares it with people, takes it to events, drives it all the time. I mean, he, he uses the car. It doesn't sit, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So Good thank you t- to Mike and you and all the folks that, that share their cars. How about Sellers Remorse? Now, you talked about letting a bunch of cars go. No doubt yeah. there was perhaps one in that group that you really wish he could have kept.
1: Yeah, I had a 2005 Mercedes McLaren SLR, Ooh. and that was just really a sweet car. I mean, I really I love the design elements and the history and the heritage of that car, plus that huge clamshell hood. Yeah. And that just was <laughs> an incredible piece. Yeah, But there were some, some bits about it that were really strange, but there were also some uniquely beautiful engineered pieces that were just so McLaren. Yeah. It was great to drive. It was really comfortable, even for a long trip. And and I just bonded with that car. I mean, we fell in love from the very first time I drove it. I had it for a few years, and we formed a really deep uh, a deep bond. And you know, I just I really hated to sell that car, but you yeah. know, it was it was part of what I needed to do. Sure. And I I still have memorized the last bit of the VIN number, and I watched for it. <laughs> I And I kind of look for it. I, I wouldn't say stalking, but yeah. uh, I watch for it. And when I see those cars for sale, I want to see, uh, maybe I can check and see how she's doing or, yeah. you know, get a little status update, how many miles she's gone on her, where she is, or kind of track her. But it's, it, that's, yeah. that, that was a, a love I, I, I would love to get back.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Well, I would love for you to share a lot more with our listeners right now about the new inaugural Las Vegas Concorde d'Elegance. I know for a fact there's going to be some really cool things happening with this event. There's an opening night gala, inaugural concourse, a tour de elegance on the Las Vegas Strip. There's the Helena Award and the Celebrity Golf Tournament. So walk us through what people can expect when they fly in, drive in, roller skate in, skateboard in, however they get to Vegas later this year and can enjoy this really spectacular event you're going to put on.
1: Well, my dream of putting on a a unique Concours in Las Vegas is coming true, but even more so, my dream and the vision I always had was to see these cars of the Concours d'Elegance cruising on the Las Vegas Strip, and I'm very proud of the fact that I could get the city of Las Vegas to do a strip closure for us. What? To to run our cars. They're going to
0: close the the strip for you.
1: On the strip, without traffic and without danger. Wow. How, and that is so who do you know me. the governor or something I, i've got some friends yeah i guess I some friends who helped me make that happen and it's really difficult to do
0: no kidding but uh, i was I, able I, to get yeah. it done
1: and <laughs> wow. i am so proud of that because it's a hugely important aspect of our show so that's the vision i had because if i had a really cool amazing car like that i would want to drive it on the strip but you know what lined with think about it, lined with people and car fans endless media coverage all those people cheering and yelling and seeing something the the dichotomy of that old classic like an old an old packard with those city buildings around it it's just it's just so beautiful and and that's really my dream and the dream centered around that so of course people want to have parties and fun respectfully for las vegas i wanted to allow people enough time to have some time to see las vegas too there's a lot of things to do here. So Friday night, we've got our opening night party, which is in a beautiful, sexy Frank Gehry design building uh, that most people probably have never seen here in, here in town. I think people who even live here haven't seen it. It's a Frank Gehry design building. We've got Wolfgang Puck doing the food, high-end drinks, and some surprise entertainment, things going on that night. Saturday, we're at Dragon Ridge, the most prestigious g- gated community in America, for, uh, on the 18th hole for our Concord Elegance. And we're there from 9 to 4. We've got a world-class team of judges uh, using ICJAG uh, guidelines, top-notch, world-class. We've invited a lot of uh, famous collectors from all over the world. Uh, that's Saturday. Saturday night's free. It's free to, for you to go and do your own Las Vegas, whatever you think that is. And then Sunday, we've got that magnificent tour in the morning, roughly from about 10 to noon. We've got a period where we'll, we, we have the strip and hopefully that tour will be ending at our host hotel, which is Bellagio. Nice. And uh, we're trying to design it so that we have the cars end there parked around the fountain so people can come and see them like what they do at the, on the, the, after the tour d'Elegance in Carmel.
0: Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Wow. so people can enjoy them. And then Sunday night we also have Sunday night open again for people to enjoy, uh, to do what they want in Las Vegas. And then Monday goes into the celebrity golf tournament also up at Dragon Ridge Country Club. Uh where we'll be releasing tickets later, a uh, limited in number of tickets which we're using to raise a charity or a benefit uh, uh, let me back that up. <laughs> okay. which which we are using to uh to our benefit for our charity which is Uh, the Art Center School of Design in Pasadena. So we've set up, part of what we're doing is we set up a scholarship for them and the funds from the uh, golf tournament will be benefiting the Art Center. Wow! So we're really excited about that. So we've tried to do some really interesting and diverse things to keep people going. But we know that people will want to also do their own Las Vegas thing. So we've been respectful and allowed them time to enjoy their own Vegas. But we're going to have a lot of really cool things and surprises along the way that you're, uh, you're not going to want to miss.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would love for you to talk a little bit. There's a very interesting tribute you're doing and an award. Uh, and if I say her last name right, Helen Rother? Helen Rother. Helen Rother. Yes. Yeah, Helene, Helene Rother. Um, you're going to be doing a tribute to Helene Rother. And of course, for those of you who haven't heard of her, uh, she was the first woman to work as an automotive designer for General Motors uh, with a history that d- dates back to around the early 40s, I believe. 1943. 43, mm-hmm. yep. Tell us a little bit about that award. I find it really cool. Helene Rother has
1: become our mascot. We discovered her kind of by accident. And I started learning about her. And she's a fascinating woman. She was the first uh, woman to go to work for General Motors, designing uh, automotive interiors in 1943. Uh, she had a very interesting past as an artist, uh, designing comic books, uh, doing pins and uh, personal items, fashion items. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really a remarkable person. So we've taken her on kind of at our, as our mascot and our namesake. So we designed this Helene Award around her. We took some images of her face and we used that to make our kind of our Art Deco logo. We've also turned her into our statuette. And she's about 14 inches high. She is going to be uh, turned down uh, on a mill like a machine part. Mm -hmm. So she's actually a car part. It's a really cool, beautiful uh, statuette that we feel is an appropriate. Uh, kind of a dedication to her and we want to bring her memory alive and we want people to learn about her because i think that she she's really an important person in history and so um you know we want to educate people about her who she was
0: that is very very cool i love that so i noticed when i go to your website which is very cool and i know it's a work in progress as you grow this show and everything because you don't have last year's show to to present is that what i see on your landing page with that beautiful sculpture that's rotating and turning That's her. yes. That's her. Yeah. She's a very petite woman. She's only 14 inches tall, but uh, she packs a lot of punch. That's for sure. Yeah. She's a beauty. Yeah, she is. And and I'll let the listeners know that uh, what they're referring to is this timely award is going to be presented each year to a deserving innovator in the automotive industry for outstanding achievement in the design development and future of automobiles. This is a very cool thing you're doing. And it it touches my heart because next month, the month of March here on Cars Yeah, I'm dedicating the entire month to women in the automotive industry. I'm going right. to interview 21 back-to-back women uh, who have uh, chosen careers in the automotive industry and have made an impact. So for you listeners, uh, be ready for Women's Month, celebrating Women's History Month here on Cars Yeah. Good All you. right, Stuart. Yes, nice. Up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the cars yeah podcast and website contact me today and i'll show you how at mark at dot or connect with me through the cars yeah website at dot hey mark green here from the cars yeah podcast did you know you can now see me on the cars yeah tv show that's right cars yeah is now on mav tv I visited some of the past Cars Yacht guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yacht TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, we are back, and this is a bit of an introspective question for you, Stuart. If you woke up tomorrow and you were car parked on the lawn at the Las Vegas Concord Elegance or in the garage or wherever you might be on the road, what would Stuart be and why?
1: Well, I don't know if I would, I wouldn't be, uh, I I wouldn't be parked on a Concord because I would be a Jeep. (laughs) Okay. Um, And why a Jeep? Despite all my supercar background, I really, I I mostly drive a Jeep and I really like it. And it's, I, I, I associate with it because I consider it fun loving reliable. I'm tough, versatile, and ready for anything. And I, I would be like a Jeep because I could make do in a variety of situations. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. I prefer smooth roads, but often I find myself on the bumpy roads and that's okay. <laughs> Slow and steady, you know, we're going to get to our destination one way or another. Yep. And somehow along the line, the long way is the best way.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so
1: for those reasons, I think I would be a Jeep.
0: I think that's pretty cool answer to that question. I love it. And, you know, being out there in the desert, there's lots of wonderful places to take a Jeep off-road, go out and uh, enjoy the beauty that is Las Vegas and the Nevada desert there. So I think that's a perfect answer to that question, Stuart. Very nice. Well, we are up to the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Change your oil. Yes, and do we it all often. That. Yeah, you know. Oil often, I know, but people don't do it, you know. And these days, cars—oh, you can go ten thousand, twenty thousand miles. I'm like, no, don't. It's such cheap insurance. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there one that you have that you believe has contributed to your many successes?
1: Uh, probably a commitment, a dedication, a commitment, a willingness to work hard to get what I want. There you go.
0: How about a resource? There are incredible resources for us these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Well, what about cars? Yeah. Well, that's awful nice of you. The check's in the mail, Stuart. Yeah, yeah, uh, there you go. That's very nice. Well, I hope I hope this podcast is thought of as a resource because I yes. certainly have, well, now 1,228 resourceful guests that you can wow. come and learn from. So uh, thank you. Thank you for pitching yeah, me that way. I, like I appreciate that. it. Sure. Now, if I could uh, arrange for you to sit down and have a drink uh, on the concourse lawn with somebody from the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be?
1: Well that would have to be my friend Helene Rother. Mm, I have to go. go back to Helene. Yeah, I would love to ask her, you know, she was she was originally hired by Harley Earl, who was one of the fathers of the Corvette. Mm-hmm. I would love to ask her how how she applied to that ad and how that came to be. And I'd like to know everything about the first her first meeting with Harley Earl. How she got hired to work for him and 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 their conversation. I would love to have been privy to that conversation. I think that would be so fascinating
0: absolutely. Um, th- that's
1: what I would, I would, that's what I would talk. I, I think I could talk to her about that for hours and how she was able to achieve those dreams in her life.
0: Well, yeah. And being a woman in the fifties, forties, fifties, I mean, that was a very unique position for a woman to be in, uh, in the automotive industry. I mean, in that, at that level of a designer in particular. So I think it'd be great. Are there any books about her that you've found? Yeah, there's or there's
1: read? one in particular I really like. It's called the damsel's, the, the Damsels of Design, The Women Who Changed Automotive History, is by Constance Smith. And it's a really great read about a team of women designers that Harley Earl hired to design cars. It was a few years after after Helene Rother. But um, he his dream, Harley Earl's dream, was to have a whole team of eight, seven or eight women that would design the entire car inside and out. And they wow. did, like some of the famous GM Firebird cars in the 50s, wow. designed entirely by women. Wow, so, I'll have to that, get my hands on that. That's a really good read.
0: I would recommend yeah. that. And is that the book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I guess yeah. I always ask about a book. Yep, yeah, that one? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, it and is. what was the author again on that book? Constance Smith. Constance Smith. Called good called the, well,
1: da- the Damsels of Design, The Women Who Changed
0: Automotive History. There you go. Well, I'll make sure I put a link to that on Stuart's show notes page on the Karja yeah website. Just go to com. Type in Stuart Sobeck, Sobek, S O B E K. And that book will pop right up. I'm going to have to get my hands on that book. I want to learn more about Helene. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here, Stuart. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. I'm going to park it in your garage, but there's a couple of rules of this game. One is, it's the only collector car you can have. You've got to pair it down to this one car. It's, it's a car that I want you to drive. I don't want it to be a garage queen, but I don't think that's a problem for you. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So if you pick a really expensive ride, you're stuck with it. So, what can I buy you today?
1: Uh, I would probably be a, a Bentley Continental. Oh. And the wow. reason is, you know, it's, it's fast enough, luxurious, beautiful, and elegant. But I like that it still has uh, room for four if you want to drag some other people along with you. Yeah. And it's got a big trunk for all of my wine because I love wine and I like <laughs> to take it with me and well, I like to share go. it with friends. You know, there you Bentley. go. There's nothing like a big, powerful, elegant sedan. Yeah. And I think that's a car that I could I could drive endlessly
0: everywhere. I think so. I think you'd yeah. have a grand old time in that Hitley Continental. I'll try. There you go. <laughs> well, Stuart, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew this was going to be a fun talk from the minute uh, you piped in here on Skype. I've really enjoyed learning more about what you got coming down the line here. Could you uh, share a little piece of wisdom or guidance with our listeners before you drive off into the Las Vegas Sunset in that Bentley Continental.
1: I would have to just say, set your goals and go after them. Make your dreams come true. You can do anything you want if you're willing to work hard enough to make it happen. You just have to want it bad enough.
0: Absolutely. And again, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about later this year and the Las Vegas Concord d'Elegance?
1: Well, where the magic really happens is LasVegasConcord.com. There you and go. that's uh, we've right now we've got tickets on sale. We've got discounted uh, hotel rooms at our host Hotel Bellagio. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Las Vegas Concours. And that's C-O-N-C-O-U-R-S.
0: There you go. I'll make sure I put links to all those on Stuart's show notes page. And pay attention to cars yeah, as we move out through the year, because I'm going to be helping Stuart a little bit here by having some uh, special guests on the show to promote the Las Vegas Concours. This is an event you do not want to miss. Stuart, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your many experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. My pleasure as well. You take care of your cars.